Hi, and welcome to the Idea Spring Capital Podcast. Today we have Naganand Doraswamy, Managing Director and Founder of Idea Spring Capital, in conversation with Shoaib Ahmed, founder of Catalyster, an enterprise with the intent to make technology effective for businesses. Having founded multiple successful startups, Shoaib was most recently the president of Tally Solutions, the leading Indian financial ERP system with over 1 million clients and a worldwide presence in 100 countries. In this episode, they discuss founder-led sales and how founders should approach sales initially. If selling to small, medium, and large enterprises need different approaches, how founders should build their sales organization, whether inbound queries tell you if it's the right time to expand, hockey stick growth, and a whole lot more. So Shoaib, uh, welcome uh, to the podcast series of Idea Spring Capital, and it's awesome to have you here. And today I wanted to talk more about sales, and you have extensive and deep background in sales, and you built one of the largest sales organizations in India, in Tally, which almost all SMBs use. So I wanted to start with uh, your thoughts on when you were building the sales organization for Tally, what are some of the largest hurdles you came across that you had to solve and the reason i'm asking that question is now map it to some of the startups we are seeing today which are larger and going to the addressing the world market uh, and then see what needs to happen there but i would like to start off from tally as to what were your key learnings there okay um Thanks, Naga. It's wonderful to be here. And uh, learnings for from Tally, as soon as you mentioned Tally, goes into uh, a very boring accounting software, which seems to be highly specific and technical almost as a subject. And if you actually examine accounts, uh, you, you and if any entrepreneur is listening, understands that it's something which the bookkeeper does, or it's something which is meant from hygiene for statutory requirements and the rest of it. And so therefore, the questions which somebody needs to answer on the subject comes from a domain understanding. Uh, and if you examine many products today, they tend to come with similar kind of a background, that they are complex, they are subject specific, and, and all the rest of it. Leading almost to saying that, look, I need to be an expert to actually communicate and sell and inspire a customer to buy. So the first thing which we did right in Tally was to be able to make sure that anybody can sell Tally to the business owner and the accountant, which are two important stakeholders and people who buy. And how we managed to do that was to first say, hey, you know what? We are not the experts in your subject. You are. And the subject is complex. You can take what good you want out of it. My job is to be able to show you how to navigate the system and to make it easy for you to start using the software. So the training of the sales guys was fairly simple. All that it meant was to go there and make it very, very easy for him to get started on the software and discover for himself on how to make use of the product. Now, having said that, the initial sets of customers and the kind of referrals that we got were phenomenal. And I think that's the second important learning, that how do you get folks who see the product to immediately come back and say, look, this is fantastic, and not wait for you to put it to use in their organization. And I have to put this very clear to you that in the very early days, the amounts of demonstrations that used to happen and the goodwill that would get created with folks who didn't buy yet, but would go out there and say, oh, this is phenomenal, actually is the game changer. So creating customer advocates very early in the cycle was one of the things that we did well in Tally. And once that was established, once we were clear that the early sets of customers were buying the product and not buying a solution 
very important distinction again because in 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 our context we tend to say look we'll give the customer whatever he wants and get into a long service cycle uh, giving him a sense of satisfaction on the product and giving a fulfillment for the value and the monies which he's paying us moved to the next piece that a lot of our customers then said look when they were giving word of mouth moved to saying hey can we do this as a business ourselves and that's the seed of the partnership program so in a manner of speaking uh, over the and of course i'm putting down in in a 5 minute introduction but uh, 10 years went into that process so a long 10 long years, long years. Yeah. <laughs> now, now so am i writing saying that you know in case of tally and hence how to map it to other startups that you're solving a very very deep pain point like because at that time there was probably no other uh, accounting software in india that really solved the problem you're the first to the market and you're really solving a deep problem so did you have issues getting into the customers door or customers were opening the doors for your sales guy saying look you know you're solving a real pain point you know hitting the nail on the head so come in and then tell us what to do no i think the uh, there were 400 companies at that point in time like tally Uh, also solving an accounting software problem uh, big players when uh, were there lots of money was uh, being pumped into large organizations huge marketing budgets were in place uh, so pretty much like what a typical startup in today's context has uh, but what we did was focus on the customer experience and saying that there is a very clear defined experience which came from an understanding that he doesn't know technology but he knows his business well so we were took a lot of pains to continuously communicate and live by that experience through the entire discovery demonstration put to use so never would any technology be spoken to the client he would not have for instance a quotation which says how many how many users to to buy because he didn't understand users okay, okay? he didn't understand i mean for him a quotation was a one page for instance i mean and i still uh, look at uh, organizations not able to give a simple price point especially when you say i'm giving you a product when i don't i'm not going to hedge against the complexity of the solution and and say i'm giving a product and then get into an engagement and say tell me what you want <laughs> so these fundamentals i think were elements which we did well and um, uh, banked heavily on the fact that there's a word of mouth which came through users and influencers uh, and i think the key point of influencers is uh, often forgotten yes in today's context in the internet world you talk about an influencer and say look he is the one who decides and propagates through instagram for for whatever whatever you need but in the good old days too and even today in the in the non so called internet world it's in the in the real world too mm. it is the folks who are benefiting who are the accessories to the organization meaning to say accessories when i'm using the word accessories is a wrong word but it's uh, really what i'm trying to explain is folks who benefit from technology being adopted in their businesses and this could be the chartered accountant this could be the sales tax guy this could be a supplier who is benefiting simply because stocks are being maintained effectively and ordering therefore becomes important you're a making his job easier and more importantly and this is i think what we did well in tally was equipped these influencers to go out there and speak to other folks in their service community so therefore one chartered accountant will talk to 50 people because he's got 50 clients one supplier is talking to 100 other supply uh, customers of his and if his ordering system was a lot more smoother he was the one who would propagate you 
And that's the best way, I guess, to get a sale. Yes. And the important piece, uh, Naga, is that, look, it's not, he doesn't just go and say, look, it's a good software, but we equipped him to say it is simple and easy to use. So the brand of simplicity by word of mouth was engineered and delivered because everything that they touched from us was simple to put to use and simple to use, simple to return. Simple to say, look, this mm. is not okay. I want to get my money back. No problem. So every step of the way, the brand got established. And and hence, you make it uh, very easy for the sales guys to make a sale. Yeah, I think the entire organization has been designed to make the job of the sales guy simple. So all our efforts would be uh, for, for us to continuously measure how easy is it for us to sell. So that uh, gives me the segue into our actual topic now in terms of how do founders go about building their sales organization, right? Um, and you have been working with a couple of our portfolio companies as well, and I'm sure you're working with many other startups. Now, you know, initially the founders come in, they have a product and they, they do one or two sales, they get some customers start to buying the product. But now, you know, they raise the next, next round of money and they say, all right, now let's start scaling the sales, right? Because typically when you do Series A, you say, all right, you know, we have sold the product to a couple of guys. Now let's start making the sale. What would you advise or give inputs to the founders at that time saying in terms of how to approach the initial sales? I'm not even talking about the sales organization yet, but the founder-led sales. I would love to spend some time on that a part of the journey in a startup where the founder is leading the sales. Right. No, I think it's a brilliant question, Naga. And, uh, and it's good it's coming from a VC because uh, I've seen that uh, the moment the funding happens, the founder suddenly gets... It's very busy filling in reports and doing all kinds of other good stuff <laughs> and forgetting that, look, his job is to do sales and continue to do sales, but with a slight difference. Because now when he's doing a sale, he's coming back not just with inputs on technology and the fitment of the product from a, uh, and, and to making sure that the product is, is working right, but is now selling with a manner such that it becomes easy for somebody else to sell, which is probably the next salesperson. And uh, realizing that, look, what's the kind of objections which the client comes up with? And it could be technical, it could be non-technical, it could be anything at all. What does it take to interest a client? I mean, not necessarily in this order, but uh, what are the what are these pieces which are actually working and how does he take those as inputs to continuously enhance his communication his equipment his offering and what have you and this in my mind is a job which is which the founder needs to continuously do and it cannot be done by anybody else at all and I think that's that's for me the single most important uh, message to founders that with the measurement being not how large an organization he's gone to. Again, this this comes as a misnomer. Uh, whenever we go on the field, the our sales guys who who think that we want to see some big account or some big victory will actually couch the engagement, mm. uh, and that's not what you want. You want him to you want him to participate with in in as is real situation, and uh, and that calls for a passion from the founder to continuously be engaged that calls for time and mind space available and those are important call outs from a sales sales view in my in my mind so so when different companies have different products right so you can either build products for medium enterprises large enterprises small enterprises so on and so forth now in the initial phase uh, of founder led sales you know is the strategy different when you are selling to different uh, kinds of enterprises or 
you pretty much in the initial stage you know it's the same trying to figure out what will make a sale talking to people spending time with your customers and getting the sale so does this fork start very early on in the cycle or this fork of okay this is the strategy to sell to large enterprises this is the strategy to sell to small enterprises that fork happens later on yeah i think <clears throat> many companies don't even quite get that fork and end up trying to do the same thing for what what applies for a small customer and try to run it for a large organization and and in in my view from the experience that we have had so far uh, there's a fundamental difference from an enterprise sale uh, which is more aware more knowledgeable more savvy on what what they're looking for needing to get one internal champion in the organization versus a smaller uh, organization which has less of those options of having a consensus or somebody who can may help to make an informed decision relying more on reputation relying more on the person and the relationship that can possibly build and these subtle differences uh, organizations typically don't get so easily uh, and uh, it's it's a bit of a challenge second is that they they tend to look at now even if they do they tend to look at another product for the enterprise and another product for the smb thinking that price is different capabilities are different and therefore um, the go to market is different and all the rest of it uh, very few products actually uh, you can actually count them on the fingertips and say look there's the same product works in both in both doesn't brands. happen yeah uh, very rarely that it happens but if it does and which in my mind uh, for instance tally stuck to that and we didn't have a separate product for for enterprise and for a long time didn't have an enterprise practice uh, at all simply because of this confusion uh, and because intuitively people come in with the thinking that i need to do different because it's a different audience set instead of figuring out what treatment to give them which is a different treatment with the same product because the offering remains the same the problem which is solving is the same the pleasure which is giving for put to use is the same uh, and the loyalty which builds in is the same nothing really changes uh, ch- changes from the end uh, experience perspective and you can't go back and say hey you know what only 10% of the product is being used i mean the pr- nature of the product is nobody knows how much of the product is going to be by whom so you can't even take that call to take a cut and say let's price it differently you got to price it the same uh, and 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 you end up you end up getting into a pressure point with a large organization because they tend to say hey we because we are large we want it at a much lower price than a smaller organization right. Right. so it's a fairly complex piece but in my view uh, sticking the, the beauty of it it would be to be able to sell the same product but treat it differently for depending on the organization that you're going to uh, so the founder then has to hence set the culture right in terms of how to treat different customers and and who is bringing that into the organization is it the vp of sales that brings in that culture or is it the the marketing guy or the ceo where is this culture because it's hard to do that right yeah. no i rather than culture i think it's the baggage which the vp sales or whoever now comes in as a professional because if he comes with experience of enterprise sales then he try to typically use that experience in the mid market or vice versa right and uh, and let me deal with this a little bit because in the enterprise sale uh, and the enterprise engagement it is account management it is the success in the second third fourth uh, cycle of the deal i mean you get the trial you get the poc then you get to put to use and you put to scale out and you keep multiplying uh, and the view of the account managers how can i participate 
and actively work with the account in building those relationships, looking for those opportunities, looking for those integrations which will work, not necessarily customizations, many things which are important and you become seeded into that key account. Now, from the mid-market, you don't have that luxury where you're driven not by relationships alone, but you're driven by the value engagement that you're talking about where trust becomes an important piece when you're not there. Without you physically being there, you're building that engagement mm. and folks need to be talking on your behalf. When I'm saying folks, it could be influencers, it could be partners, it could be partner salespeople and all the rest of it. So there's an entire ecosystem which needs to be championing your cause. So what you need to do if you are heading mid-market sales, it is a guarantee that you are not going to be physically there. So you're not, you can't apply the yardstick of account management. You Therefore, you can't apply the yardstick of a typical funnel in that experience. So it's a completely different paradigm which you need to implement. Now, it is not a culture. It is a, an ability to design these two different uh, structures, so to speak, within your sales portfolio and saying this is what we are designing for and this is how we are going about implementing our sales strategy. Culture is a secondary piece and I, and I wouldn't want to uh, subsume that under culture piece. Got it. Got it. So, so like in the, when the founder, suppose say the founders didn't have sales experience, right, which typically is the case in most of the startups in India because founders typically are coming from a technology background as opposed to say a sales background. Right. Now, hence the founder has to now go find someone who can head their sales organization. What would you look for? You know, you look for somebody with some amount of experience, knowing the market, knowing how to sell, knowing how the processes work. Or would you say, I don't know, even a fresher is fine. What is most critical when you are bringing the, making the first sales side? Do you get somebody who can get the sales and but not have the ability to build the organization? Or you're also looking to somebody who can build the organization? What, what would you look for typically? In my view, after 30 years of doing multiple cycles, Naga, no compromise, building the organization, super critical. Uh, building, the, building the belief that everybody in the organization is actually selling in some manner or the other and his existence is thanks to the customer and nothing else and highly sensitive to the customer is the only way going forward easier said than done i know i mean folks will say yeah i mean all that so sounds very good how do you actually put that into practice i mean how do you create that environment but uh, so i i have a very simple response to that if you go to if you're not well and you you go to a doctor he, by him talking to you itself puts you at ease but if you go to a hospital and a PRO actually answers puts you through a whole lot of tests you actually feel uncomfortable and people dread going to a specialist hospital because of that very true right and I'm just giving that analogy that look if you if a customer calls you because somebody said hey you know what why don't you buy this because it's good and he has a sales guy who asks him 200 questions and he doesn't seem to understand a damn what you're talking about and he's a very good sales guy, so to speak, from a classical interrogation, demonstration speak, but doesn't just get that nuance. He doesn't pick what is the problem, which a service guy gets, right? Uh, because he's dealt with the problems. He's dealt with the people. He's dealt with the implementation. And it's a very important line to draw. And in the context of, and if, and if you take another metrics, you will see uh, telecallers make 50 calls a day and hit almost zero responses. And for me, that's a symptom that there's something wrong. Right. Yeah. So how do you therefore not, I mean, and when that's staring at us, we are just following an old frame saying, let's follow that sales funnel and let's try to push it down. We're really speaking that doesn't work. Hmm. And it is the organization building, which is important where people keep 
so it's so therefore it's not about the sales guy and the r&d guy doing sales but being participative in the sales process understanding that look what are we doing to make the sales more effective and taking responsibility that if you're doing well we are all doing well that it's not just the sales guy who got the numbers in i mean that's a culture problem again and that again is a that i agree is a culture problem mm. that we tend to look at whoever is counting the final numbers as the champion which is not true he's just one of the elements out there but it's a team game and it's about how that whole team can fundamentally look at this space so so if we just restrict ourselves for a mid to large enterprises because small enterprises let's leave it out for a second and you want to go from 10 customers to 50 customers to 100 customers you know can you map the journey in terms of the org structure or the people that you need you know whether you need people making calls inside sales inbound sales this that what what would be what have you seen work and what would you recommend for startups when they want to go from 10 to 50 to 100 yeah so i think there is a very important function which gets missed out but that that stems from a belief and a metaphor which i have which i which is very close to my heart the metaphor being that for me it's been about how do you nurture how do you look at your business as as something like it's a farm it's agricultural it is it is nature which you are which you're putting together and not it is a campaign it is a military it is an aggressive uh, <laughs> it, it is an aggressive victory and why i'm saying this is the moment you put this metaphor and have a clarity of that metaphor the role of the founder becomes that of an evangelist who's out there making sure that the land is fertile uh, making sure that he is not not planting the seeds in the wrong place making sure that the right inputs are available for the plant to grow making sure of multiple things that can which can go wrong are preempted i mean you know to anybody who's planted a seed and grown a grown a tree knows that there are many things that need to be put into place and if you do those things right the results which are going to come at the point of time which are going to come will happen inch now if i take this metaphor and say look that uh, it is about evangelizing and the first to get the first 50 customers ensuring that the word of mouth or the reputation of the delivery is in place becomes super critical right uh, and this happens very early in the cycle and I, and 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 another this is this is something which most uh, startups of is is counterintuitive that you think that you need to get a satisfied customer after he is put to use and he is actually used your system exhaustively which is not true many times references are made very early even before decision to buy has happened mm. and this is from personal experience i mean the markets which i have created i don't wait f- for the order f- for him to for for me to ask for five more people whom i can go and speak to because i built the relationship mm. in my first uh, d- demonstration or my first meeting with the client he's extremely excited and happy that yes this is fantastic he might not buy or he might buy whenever he is ready to buy that doesn't matter but he is now in love with whatever you've shown him that is the key to establish and if you've established that and kept and that's why i'm using the word evangelist because you're really not selling there but you're creating a reputation and, and also building that trust and building that trust that if is something that you need to put in together and therefore your best people need to be out there doing as much of this as possible 
okay because you're learning you're feeding back to the product and you're bringing back what could be productized and what cannot be productized so therefore uh, and this is important even from a vc view perspective naga that look when you've got 50 customers and you said the product market fit is in place and the moment you put money in from a scale perspective it should be running like clockwork many times you find that look after you put the money in place then there's a discovery saying no 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 but you know we've got to pivot this you've got to change this is not working that's not working that means there was something wrong in that first 50 100 customers the way that you've done this has been is very clear that either the market was small <laughs> or the way to deliver it you've not really cracked it because every engagement is leading to long uh, uh, you know you're not really getting there's a tension in the sales there's process there's like huge tension yeah. in in the entire environment mm. and then you and then you postpone the problem saying more money is needed or more it really not got to the core of the problem right so that for me in the first 50 establishing that reputation and 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 designing for a flywheel that look you're going to get advocates first mm. you're going to get champions out there you're going to build relationships you're going to be able to make it easy for the customer to buy not designing saying look i will get the best world's greatest sales people to come there no that's not needed and they don't even exist i mean that <laughs> no, no, that's really don't exist <laughs> and if they worked well in one company doesn't necessarily they, they mean they can they don't work here and they work because of relationships built over years and that's not you don't have the luxury of that available there the relationship is one meeting what's the rapport that you're building so that's the uh, in my view an important so so hence till this critical mass in defining how the sales happen and other things are defined it's really there's no point in trying to overstretch yourself and do other things because even if you try that you will cash burn later on right yeah, yeah 100% yeah. and and it's important to audit this uh, uh, early on in the cycle that look can you actually watch this process and it's very easy to do all that you need to do for instance in, even if you get 50 clients for instance very important to ask if somebody called in and said look i want your product very important to ask how did you get to know about it okay he'll say yes website but really speaking somebody would have told him website is yeah one part of the discovery to actually put to action but somebody out there has told him important to understand what has he told him and what expectation he's got if the expectation is a mismatch the sales guy doesn't bother about it because sales guy is just trying to meet a number mm. and everybody's trying to show progress <laughs> in my view it's at that point in time you if you it's the hard call with the with the entrepreneur should be able to go back and say look no this is not the kind of client i want and walk away from the deal because it doesn't fit which is hard to do it's right? very hard to do counterintuitive mm-hmm. so the question to ask is before you actually put a team into place how many how many sales have you rejected how many people have you told you it's not ready and yet have a belief that there's a market out there for you which is by going to buy what you what you have to offer because there's a value in what you're giving and that's the key correct so so once you once you build this right so once you say you have a core competence and you have built defined the product and and so on and so forth and you have gotten a couple of sales guys now when do you kind of start opening the flood gates in terms of saying look let's go expand let's expand like crazy now now like if it's in you're selling in one market in, in one geography you say like let's go all india now or let's go sign up partner so what's the next step you know to to look at you know it because you'll have people calling you uh you'll have folks who are saying look i want to use your product i know 20 other people who are there who will need it and uh, uh there will be a demand which you can't fulfill um, and you have the confidence that look my engagement is going to make such a big difference to them in that piece is sacrosanct that you are honest about the fact that enough people are calling and asking for you for what you are not for what you are going to become <laughs> <laughs> okay 
So, so hence the inbound uh, queries becomes a key factor yes. in determining yes. where you are with an organization with respect to sales. Is absolutely. what you're saying. Absolutely, absolutely, okay. yeah. absolutely. So there's no point. You're, what you're saying is no point in getting 10, 20 people to give, uh, call more people and this and that. You know, you really have to generate the inbound sales. Yeah. And then get and the no, queries and, coming in. And no, and you as an entrepreneur, as the business owner, better be out there evangelizing. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, some of this might the word of mouth might not have gone. For instance, there may be a geography thing, but you need to be in a trade show. You mean to be out there articulating your proposition you're disrupting something you're doing something different so who are the influencers who are the guys out there can you go out there meet them make your case make it compelling for them that's the work which you need to do which is why i'm saying it's not directly linked to sale but is out there establishing your reputation so in the mid to large market enterprise segments right now uh, how important it is to also build sales partners right obviously you there's only that much you can do as an organization right not, not only can you get to that many people you can also cannot also support that many people right you know like you know because they are still small it's not that you're like an ibm or a cisco where you can do whatever you want and even those guys work through partners so hence how does the partner ecosystem uh, uh, play into this whole thing and when do you st actually start building that ecosystem when is the focus come coming to that partner ecosystem see the um, I think that's a, again a brilliant question Naga, because uh, it's a hard one to say when but it's given that you have to have a clear partner understanding right and let's let's break down the problem into three elements one is to find customers you need partners second is to sell Third is to keep them happy. Uh, unfortunately, partners can either help to find and not able to sell. One of the three things they'll not be able to One of the three things they will not be able to do, which starts with the first crisis in the, in the entire business model that uh, company says, yeah, I'm ready to scale. I've got 30 partners. I've got 50 partners all, all ready and running. But you know what? Only 10% are actually working the way I think they should be working. Uh, but not a problem. There are thousands of partners, so we'll find another 30. <laughs> not realizing that uh, these three problems are three different problems, right? And partner who can help you to find customers has to be in a partner model and the expectation only has to be, look, he can only help me to point to people. After that, it's my job. You have to figure out whether it's worthwhile to have that or not. That depends on your product offering. That depends on how difficult it is to find people by yourself and whether you need that. We in Tally needed the second tier partners of hardware resellers mm -hmm. who would point out to us who's bought a machine in, a, in an SMB environment, knowing fully well that he's not going to do anything else. Just pointing, giving a pointer so he can do the same. He's huh? a pointer. Mm -hmm. Now, for us to make sure that I don't need anybody else to sell need, meant that my commercials and the offering had to be so simple that the sales process was out of the way. Yeah, there's no demonstration, no engagement, no queries, just Com asking. Completely frictionless. Yeah, completely no, just send an email, it should work. Which mm. is very difficult mm. to, to, okay. to build mm. in, in, in many situations. So then alternative is a reference model kind of a piece. Not very exciting. It's not a most most enthusiastic and most exciting kind of a model to have, but that's an important call out in the process. The second is a sales process. Now, um, unfortunately, and this is true for a lot of companies, uh, the expectation of sales uh, in an early stage of the company or even in a mature stage without a sales program which embraces the partner's offerings, which are these existing offerings, because very rarely do you get a partner who's only your exclusive partner. Mm. He's selling something else and doing something else and he's got a reputation in the local market for whatever it is. Now, if he wants to partner with you, your expectation is that he's going to go out there and introduce this, your technology or your offering to his clientele. And that again fails because he is not fully equipped or confident 
of his ability to articulate and deliver on that promise. Mm. So he's very nervous. Uh, and this is again is a gap. I mean, I find enough folks will come to me and say, look, can we sell through tally partner ecosystem? And they'll come back and say, you know, the tally partner system is just not capable of selling my product. <laughs> For a reason, yeah. The reason <laughs> being that, look, how do you make sure that the sales process is such that when the partner's person is standing in front of the customer, that his sale becomes faster and more effective because of what you are giving him, not slower. And if you walk that mile with them, you'll realize, and, and they are, and it's a little hard to, to, to bring that in. That in, Let me take a very typical example. If I'm selling hardware, and I'm just making that a very simple statement, if I'm selling a PC, I'm really not wanting to get into discussion on tally. He'll slow me down. I'd like to talk about my capabilities and exit. So the bundling and unbundling and the partnership definition becomes important. Having said that, my tally loaded as a rental for a Airtel offering made it compelling for Airtel to become a premium offering in the uh, for the businesses to take their telco offering. Right. But it was a separate construct, mm. understanding that it made the job of the Airtel guy simple. Now, these kinds of programs, and I'm saying sales programs need to be constructed where the story for the customer is clear, the proposition of the joint proposition becomes interesting, ability to fulfill is, is thought through, where each party is doing what it continues to do best and not do something else just because of the partnership. And the win-win for both. That's the piece which needs to be thought through. Mm. And that's why a sales program is not is, is the is the way forward, uh, not fully understood uh, uh, by most companies, uh, and uh, which is why alliances repeatedly are only papers which have been drawn out and big talk has happened. Nothing really happens on the ground because nobody is actually constructed. What is it that we can do jointly, which is on our strengths and which still works together? It's okay. hard to craft. Mm -hmm. So the other question, like, you know, in terms of forecasting, right? I mean, because sales, an organization is, is dependent on sales, right? There's no sales, there's no organization. And obviously, you know, you cannot uh, undersell yourself, nor can you say, give some forecast that is out, you know, that is a very, very hard to achieve. It doesn't work that way. So how do you hence come up with what, you know, how fast can you scale? What should be your sales? You know, what is... How do startups uh, address this issue once they get to the mid-stage? So now the question is that, okay, we've now cracked the product market fit. We right. now know that there are enough customers out there and who are willing to buy the product. They sway by us and they were thrilled by it. How do we ensure from 20, 30, 40 customers, this can go to 10,000 customers, 15,000, you know, that multiply. Multiply, large multiply, magnitude of... The, the hockey stick hockey has stick. to kick. Absolutely, How does the hockey stick happen? Uh, so I have to confess there have been a couple of times that we've been able to in a couple of seasons that we've actually hit the hockey stick uh, and we've hit the hockey stick in a manner such that the bottleneck was that our servers were not able to take the number of activations in a day. Mm. So that was a happy problem to have Absolutely. But <laughs> at the end of the season. Uh, uh, so the the, the de-bottlenecking, uh, so to speak, you, you have to work backwards from assuming success. And I think that's the biggest one. The conditioning comes from a sense that look it, it it comes from a scarcity and this has to shift saying that you have to assume that it is now successful and we've got a huge market out there when we visualize this and the whole organization visualizes this the bottlenecks which each department needs to eliminate needs to start getting into focus okay because now it is no longer about efficacy of the salesperson and that's why I keep saying that the sales funnel doesn't work. Because if you're wanting to now go to this 
this this kind of a hockey stick it is no longer forest one conversion it's no longer how many adverbs are coming in because it is that's not going to make any sense mm. but everybody's job is only focused on that and everybody's week on week just reviewing that and holding that fort very tight when you saying hey you know what we are going to be hugely successful gst is happening for instance there's an outside world view changing and the opportunity is going to be humongous what do you need to do to first predict what that opportunity itself is and what's the ambition you're setting for yourself for that okay gst is an external program it's an external story i've created a story saying go gold which i have basic basis some some formulas and saying yes i've solved this early problem and now i can exp- now i know that there's a huge market out there waiting to wa- waiting for this offer what do i need to do is an intense work which is deep and deep bottlenecking of a informing the potential customer and that inform that knowing fully well that i can reach out to so many people but naga can reach out to 20 other people that he is my champion mm-hmm. so how many nagas have i created who are my champions out there is continuous work so my work shifts from funnel to a flywheel the the visualization of the flywheel is super critical because that is a different kind of a visualization where the bottlenecks which come into play are each function working to make sure that he is supporting a massive inflow and designing such that the customer can buy rather than you sell so from the commercials to the put to use to the call center support which is changing everything changes mm. so that is comes from a belief <laughs> so, and an agility to change correct and also to your earlier point it is where your people are coming to you because you cannot get to that hockey stick if you are trying to reach out to Absolutely. people and that's going back to your original point of how many people are approaching you because of your reputation in the market uh, your solution in the market the pain point you're addressing so so hence as you say uh, as you said earlier the founder or the ceo has to feel it now has to, that's the has ceo's to. judgment okay. if he is not on the ground if we just listening to what everybody else is saying and doesn't have a daily sense of a pulse on what is happening we used to have a morning con call uh, uh, whenever this season happened you know typically and we were on the job holding and getting deep into each zones each activity follow through with field visits now that's the kind of rigor and everybody in the organization was on the call supporting the sales team supporting the partners not easy one to orchestrate very true okay uh, and it's true sense i mean people do it switch off the phone really not they feed you what you want to hear <laughs> not really saying look these are problems because i want problems i want to solve problems i don't want you to hear look everything is hunky dory I, i don't need to make, to be wasting my time in the morning for that so these are the differences which make a huge uh, impact on the bottom line I had one other question with the evolution of SaaS, right? You know, from a mid to large enterprise sales, does it make you know SaaS versus on-prem? You know, is it any different the way you position the product, you play the way you sell the product, or the SaaS is mostly towards uh, as, as small enterprises where they want to do a quick sale, so on and so forth? Because what I'm seeing is mid to large SaaS or on-prem is really not from a sales cycle perspective is really not impacting that much. What is your thought on that? <laughs> See, the only experience that I had on that, Naga, that, uh, uh, and it deals with also the issue of pricing. Um, you know, uh, we for a long time had a fixed price of eighteen thousand or fifteen thousand for mm. tally, and then there was a VAT which was introduced. This was uh, way back in two thousand five, and uh, tally at that point in time said, "Look, to mop up the market, let's push the price down to three thousand bucks." Thinking that price is an important 
factor. Uh, that was the biggest fiasco because we ended up uh, having huge stockpile in the dealers' locations and our sales went up. Yes, they did go up, but we were not able to map up the market. Correspond to GST, where the price was not really changed, that we actually did 5,000 sales a day, which is massive. Okay. Now, take the price, the element. So, so from a SaaS perspective, one factor would be, look, it's for a small customer, the price is prohibitive, so therefore, you know, can I make it easier for him? And I'm saying, look, that's really not true. If he sees the value, if the value is clear, whether it's SaaS or non-SaaS, and most customers prefer, actually, tell me what the final price is. Yeah, Don't keep giving me this monthly, yearly, for all my life, I'm going to pay. It's actually very expensive. How will I make it? So, and customers are savvy enough for that, right? The second piece is that uh, thinking that, look, from a SaaS view, my the question which has to be examined is the engagement, the put to use, the deployment. I mean, there is an inbuilt advantage from a SaaS perspective. There's a security element which is a lot more powerful from a SaaS perspective. So many strengths from a SaaS perspective. And the biggest strength which SaaS gives is actually more collaborative. Uh, the fact that, look, you can work with branches, work with, you know, Absolutely. multiple yeah. things can, can happen. And that's the future. Mm. And that's the, that's the proposition to go after. From my on-prem, worrying about it from um, uh, communication or pricing is the wrong thing to look at. In its, in its entirety. So take the proposition for what its strengths are and build on it is what I would. And then also the fact that you don't have to maintain your own data centers yeah, anymore. Many things, many, 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 many advantages. Yeah. Many so, advantages. So, so enterprises see that as an advantage and uh, and then buy it. And then buy it. So, I mean, there's another area I want to touch upon. Probably we'll do one more podcast for that was channels, right? You know, Because that's huge for enterprises. But I don't think we have the time for that today, but I'll come back and uh, and talk to you on that uh, some other time. But, you know, talking, I know you can go on for this for hours together, Shoaib, and, you know, you have done this uh, very effectively and uh, very profitably for other organizations. And I know you're also doing for startups now, so I know it's very uh, close to your heart. Uh, but, uh, you know, in the shortest time we have had, you know, you have given a lot of good inputs. I think most of the founders will find it extremely beneficial. And I hope they listen to what you're saying and uh, come back to you for more uh, with more questions. Uh, and then we'll see, we'll tell them how to reach out to you. But it was great talking to you and a lot of good inputs uh, for all from a sales perspective for all the founders doing enterprise sales. And it was great talking to you. Thank you for listening to the Idea Spring Capital podcast. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the show and do leave us a review and rating on iTunes, Stitcher, or the app that you're listening to this on. Additionally, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at Idea Spring Cap. That is Idea Spring Cap. This podcast was produced by Skapari, your complete digital marketing agency.